Section 40 of The Toilers of the Sea by Victor Hugo. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain, read by John Greenman. Chapter 9 Information Useful to Persons Who Await or Who Fear Letters from Across the Sea. On that evening, Sieur Clubin once more returned late. One of the causes of his delay was that before returning, he had gone as far as the Dinan Gate, where there were drinking shops. In one of these shops, where he was not known, he had bought a bottle of brandy, which he had placed in the large pocket of his pilot coat, as though with the design of concealing it. Then, as the Durand was to sail on the morrow, he had taken a turn on board to assure himself that everything was in order. When Sieur Clubin re-entered the Jean Tavern, there was no one in the taproom but the old sea captain, Monsieur Gertrais Gaboureau, who was drinking his glass and smoking his pipe. Monsieur Gertrais Gaboureau saluted Sieur Clubin between a whiff and a draught. "'Good evening, Captain Clubin.' "'Good evening, Captain Gertrais.' "'Well, the Tamaulipas has sailed.' "'Ah,' said Clubin, "'I had not noticed it.' Captain Gertrais Gaboureau spat and said, Zuela has cut stick. When? This evening. Where is he going? To the devil? No doubt. Uh, but where? To Arequipa. Well, I knew nothing about it, said Clubin. He added, I'm going to bed. He lighted his candle, walked towards the door, and came back. Have you ever been to Arequipa, Captain Gertre? Yes, years ago. What ports do you put into? Pretty nearly everywhere, but this uh, Tamaulipas won't put into any port. Monsieur Gertrais Gaboureau emptied the ashes from his pipe on the edge of a plate and continued, You know the lugger Cheval de Trois, and that fine three-master the Trente Mugrin, which sailed for Cardiff? I did not approve of their sailing because of the weather. They have come back in a pretty condition. The lugger was loaded with turpentine. She sprung a leak, and in pumping out the water she pumped out her whole cargo. As for the three-master, she suffered mostly in her upper works. The cut-water, the headsail, the stanchions, the stock of the larboard anchor, all broken. The jim-boom broken off close to the cap. The bowsprit, shrouds, and bobstays. Well, go see how they look. The mizzenmast is all right, but it got a severe strain. All the iron of the bowsprit is gone, and, incredible to state, the bowsprit is not scratched, but it is completely stripped. The vessel's sheathing is open for three good square feet on the larboard. That's what comes of not listening to people. Clubin had placed his candle on the table, and had begun to stick in afresh a row of pins which he had in the collar of his rough overcoat. He began again. "'Didn't you say, Captain Gertrais, that the Tamaulipas will not put in at any port?' "'She will not. She is going straight to Chile. In that case she cannot send any news of herself while on the passage.' "'Pardon me, Captain Clubin. In the first place she can send her dispatches by any vessel which she meets bound for Europe. Well, that is true. Then there is the ocean letter-box. What do you call the ocean letter-box? Don't you know about that, Captain Clubin? No. 
when one is passing through the Straits of Magellan, well, snow everywhere, bad weather always, abominably bad winds and heavy seas. What then? When you have doubled Cape Monmouth, well, what then? Then you double Cape Valentine. Well, what next? Next you double Cape Isidore, and then you double Point Anna. Good. But what do you call the ocean letterbox? We are coming to that. Mountains on the right, mountains on the left, penguins everywhere, and stormy petrels. A terrible place. Ah, a thousand saints, a thousand monkeys. What a rattle-trap, and how it knocks about. The storm does not need any help. That is where one watches the sheer rail. That is where one takes in sail. That is where you replace your mainsail with the mainstaysail, and the mainstaysail with the fore-topstaysail. Gust on gust, and then sometimes four, five, six days of lying too. Often you have nothing but lint left of a new set of sails. What a dance! Squalls fit to make a three-master skip like a flea. I have seen on an English brig the true blue, a cabin boy, busy on the jib-boom, carried off to all the five hundred thousand millions of God's thunders, and the jib-bloom with him. You are swept into the air like butterflies. I have seen the boatswain's mate of the Revenu, a pretty schooner, snatched from above the forecross trees and killed instantly. I've had my rails stove in and my waterways smashed to a jelly. One comes out of there with all one's canvas in ribbons. Frigates of fifty guns leak like baskets. And what a wretched devil of a coast! Nothing can be worse. Rocks splash up as though in child's play. You approach Port Famine. There it is worse than worst. The roughest sea I ever saw in my life. Hellish coasts. All at once you see two words, post office, painted in red. What do you mean, Captain Gertrais? I mean, Captain Clubin, that immediately after having doubled Point Anna, you behold on a rock a hundred feet high a pole. It is a pole with a barrel round its neck. This barrel is the letter-box. The English must needs write post office on it. Why did they meddle? "'Tis the letter-box of the ocean. It does not belong to that honorable gentleman, the King of England. The letter-box is common property. It belongs to all flags. Post-office. Tis perfect Chinese. It produces on you the effect of a cup of tea suddenly offered you by the devil. This is the way the service is performed. Every ship which passes sends a boat to the pole with its dispatches. The officer in command of the boat deposits your packet in the barrel and takes the packet which he finds there. You take charge of these letters. The vessel which comes after you will take charge of yours. As we are sailing in different directions, the continent from which you are coming is the one to which I am going. I carry your letters, you carry mine. The barrel is bitted to the post with a chain, and it rains, and it snows, and it hails. A deuce of a sea. The little imps fly from all quarters. 
The Tamaulipas will pass there. The barrel has a good cover on hinges, but no lock or padlock. You see that one can write to one's friends. Letters reach their destination. Well, that's very odd, muttered Clubin thoughtfully. Captain Gertrais Gaboureau turned to his glass. Suppose, for instance, that rascal of a Zuela were to write to me. The scamp tosses his scrawl into the barrel at Magellan, and in four months' time I receive the villain scribbling. Ah, by the way, Captain Clubin, uh, do you sail tomorrow? Clubin, absorbed in a sort of somnambulism, did not hear. Captain Gertrais repeated his question. Clubin came to himself. Certainly, Captain Gertrais, it is my day. I must start tomorrow morning. If it were my case, I should not start, Captain Clubin. The hair of the dog's coat feels damp. The seabirds have been flying round the lantern of the lighthouse these two nights past. A bad sign. I have a storm-glass which is cutting capers. We are in the second quarter of the moon. It is the maximum of dampness. I have just seen some pimpernels with their leaves shut and a field of clover whose stalks were perfectly upright. The earthworms are coming out, the flies are biting, the bees are keeping close to their hives, the sparrows are holding consultations, the sound of bells is clearly heard from a distance. This evening I heard the Angelus from saint Lenaire. And then the sunset was dirty. There will be a heavy fog tomorrow. I advise you not to start. I fear a fog more than a tornado. The fog is treacherous. End of chapter 9. Information useful to persons who await or who fear letters from across the sea.